The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to another Kingery Commentary. This is your director, Perry Whittle. And with me in the Director Minds interview room is the writer of this episode, Pete Mylan. Hi there, folks. Welcome. That's all I've got. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Well, no, I've got a little bit more. So um, I know that this is uh, that you wrote this script, and I don't recall having seen another script that you've written. Is this your first? I uh, know this is uh, this is my first uh, King, King script. I'm King actually going to start working on my second one uh, uh, pretty quickly because we just got uh, the script for uh, episode nine, and uh, I actually just <coughs> just got off the uh, the, the chat for. Uh, for uh, episode nine, episode season two, episode nine. Uh, so I am scheduled to write the next one. Wow! Great. All right. Yeah, this is the uh, and it's it's strange. This is the first script I've ever uh, I've ever written for Pendant or anyone really that uh, I haven't directed myself. So uh, ah. it's an interesting uh, interesting experience. Yeah. So how did you find that? Well, how how did you fi- um, how did you join the Kingery writing team? Um. I was drafted. Uh-huh. Uh, letter arrived at my house. Uh, greetings, you are now writing for the Kingery. Yeah. There wasn't really a great deal of choice involved. It was just, hey, you're writing for the Kingery now. What? what? Right. what? The, no, Batman, my scripts are long, and there's <laughs> lots of things involved. I have 5,000 characters. Now you're writing for the Kingery now. Uh, okay. And uh, we're all on the West Coast, so we're going to have our chats uh, around uh, 11 o'clock midnight where you are. What? what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, good. Your resistance. <laughs> oh, I think cool. we this. Okay. What do you guys think is best? <laughs> Very good. Anyway. So, let's see. Um, I wanted to say that uh, the first time I heard the Kingery was uh, I met up with Seth Adam Schur, who was the original, uh, the first director of the Kingery, and uh, he had just mixed a few scenes, and uh, we were somewhere, and he took a CD out that he was carrying around with him and put it in and played it for me, and there was this scene between you and me, or your character and my character, Tommy and Hooks, as Hooks is uh, getting introduced to the Kingery, and... I didn't know your work that well at that point, and I was just sitting there going, God, this guy is great. He's amazing. And um, that's pretty much what I've, what I've felt every episode that I've listened to. I, somehow it's just uh, what you're doing is just so um, fully realized, fully lived in, it seems to me. Um, that's, that's my way of understanding what I think... Makes your acting so good. Um, anyway, I've just always been impressed until I became a director, and then I was impressed for like the first uh, first couple of episodes, just getting blown away with every take. And now I'm used to it. So, sorry, Pete, but that's <laughs> familiarity breeds contempt. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Now, let, let me ask let me ask you a question, if I may. Sure. Um, when you got the script and saw how long it was, uh, did you curse my name to the heavens? Because uh, it did end up being like 35 pages long, which is longer than the average Kingery script. 
I was a little concerned. Yes, I was concerned. <laughs> and um, I will tell you that when I finished it, I sent a email to Jeffrey Bridges and I said, please, please, please uh, instruct the writers that they can either write long or they can do a crowd scene, but please don't do both. Because <laughs> so, uh, both of those are, are uh, time-consuming, and so this ended up being a bit of a chore. But I'm happy with the results. I thought it actually came out very well. And, um, and, I, and I like the writing a lot. Um, let's see. Oh, I wanted to... I've, okay, so I'm, I have these notes here about stuff that I'm supposed to... Or I want to mention. I wanted to get in the in the previously. I wanted to get those scenes from uh, between Tommy and Madeline from episode fifteen. Um, I really love those scenes, and so I and I thought that those were like the height of the the sexual frisson between the two of those people, whatever that means. And so I wanted to put them in the previously for this episode, and I was happy that I was able to do that. And. Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the uh, one of the things we wanted to get into this episode, we at this point, uh, I think we'd all commented on the fact that there have been a few scenes over the course of the season and and last season where it, it's basically Maddie comes into Tommy's office, uh, yells at him for a bit, and then leaves. I think we're I think we're all sort of getting you know getting to the point with where she needed to do a little more and. Uh, and I'm glad I got I got the chance to uh, to be the one who who at, who uh, you know wrote something a little different for her to do. Yeah, right. And you know now it's you know Asa here sort of you know meta texting on uh, on the whole thing, just you know spelling it out for the audience. Right. Yeah, we know, we know. Right. And and Asa, as he's said a couple times here, he knows things, but we never see him finding out about them. And I'm just I'm getting more and more curious and speculating more and more about how that might be happening. Oh, he's and, large. Uh, he contains multitudes. Yeah, yeah. And I also like his line, uh, you've been pounding your head against a brick wall. And I was thinking, if I was writing this, the, the cop would probably say with great and sincere enthusiasm, yeah, but have you noticed that the wall looks softer lately? I think I'm making progress. So, it's, uh, it's not a bad line. But, you know, it's, uh, not exactly what you were going for here. Do you believe you're right? Here we have uh, Shepard uh, beginning his his crusade. There was uh, I originally wrote for this uh, for this bit. There was another scene of uh, of Fix talking to uh, Regina and you know hitting on her. Oh yeah. Just you know so so we could have him interact with somebody behind besides Tommy, but uh, it didn't really work out. It. I, I, for some reason, I wrote Regina like you know the church lady, and it just came off a little wrongly. Yeah, Inter- Regina has an interesting character because she seems to uh, she seems to be very proper, but she also seems to um, really like some of the men. She's uh, has a strong affection for Shepard, and she uh, moved in on Roberts pretty quickly there in one episode. Um, She's got some interesting stuff going on. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, so the crowd, the crowd scenes have started now, and um, 
wanted to make sure that I um, say thank you to everybody who sent me crowd crowd member sounds. Um, Jim and Karen Witt did a long dialogue that, that runs through the beginning of that. I don't know if you can hear it all, but you can hear a little bit of it. And they made up a couple of characters who talk to one another. And uh, Kim Giannopoulos, Melissa Johnson, Alicia Lane Matheson, uh, Paul Lavelle, John Howard, Jovian Lab, David Alexander McDonald all contributed sounds. And you can probably hear them in one channel or another or possibly both throughout throughout um, this and the next couple of scenes we've got all this stuff going on yeah, this, I think this was uh, well not this scene but uh, the coming scene uh, of Shepard was the first thing I ever wrote for the King well I wrote all those all those trailers uh, before the show actually started but uh, that's right and those are still available it was actually written during our first during our first chat and we were uh, working out the outline for the uh, for the whole season, uh, I came up with this idea, and I couldn't really express it in, in the chat, so I, you know, sort of logged off of it for a little while and came back with pretty close to the scene that's in the script. Huh. huh. Interesting. I liked his, at the beginning, he makes a reference to the, your introduction at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I'm Adam Shepard, and I'm a, whatever it is he says, I'm a... Uh, fornicator. Uh, fornicator. Fornicator, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An abuser of vile substances or about Lord violence in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And coming up here is Jovian Lab as the heckler uh, who's heckling himself as the speaker. And when I, when I first became the director, I saw that he'd been chosen to be the new Adam Shepard, which came after he'd been chosen to be the heckler. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to recast that. And then I thought, well, I should check out the performances first and see if he sounds different enough. And he did. He sounded really different. And so he didn't do anything. And Yep. But most of our actors are, you know, pretty versatile enough to, uh, to act, uh, you know, opposite themselves. Yes, but sometimes, I mean, he'd already turned in his lines as the heckler before he was chosen as Adam Shepard. So, I mean, if it was me, you know, sometimes I, I can distinguish my voice, but if, if I'm not planning to, I wouldn't necessarily know to push it in one direction or another. And there he is saying, I wouldn't take a cent of your money, and I thought that deserved a reaction. So you can hear me somewhere in there in the background going, Yeah! <laughs> So we've got this um, this horde of, uh, of people going into the king, right? Yes, yes. To, yeah. To watch the show. That's right. Now, do you... So, you were saying that you... This is the first time that you've written something yeah, that you haven't directed. Yeah. Um, did you do anything differently? Oh, hey. You got nothing, nothing comes to mind. Really. Nothing, uh, you know, nothing sticks out that says, you know, no, that's, I'm the control freak. I must do it this way. Yeah. No. And the script was in good hands. Thank you very much. And what about um, writing a part that you know you'll perform? 
I, you know, I think when... Yeah, it's go, go ahead. Um, no, no you, you go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say that, that I think a lot of people, when you're writing, I think most people act out the part or, or think of the part being acted out in some way. So, so there's certainly some kind of performance that you're thinking of. Um, I, I've written for audio, but I haven't written very much stuff that I've known ahead of time. Oh, I'm going to play that role. And I just wonder what that's like. Is that does that do anything to the to the way you write? I mean, it's uh, you know. Those were your words, were they not? I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's always. I think it's something that I I please myself on because I don't you know you don't want to be one of those writers who gives you know your character all the cool lines. Um, but uh, you know, it's I haven't known it for a while. Uh, you know, because I was acting on uh, on Batman before I started directing it, and you know, long before I started writing it. So. Uh, be, the only time I think I've ever, you know, just taken apart and given it to myself on that was uh, Stingery, just because I wanted to play a pirate. <laughs> just wanted to do a bad pirate for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> I'm amused by my own improv. Yes. Yes. Why am I improving on my own script? I, I well, that was that was that was one of the things that that got me thinking about this. Was I noticed that some of your lines were uh, were improvs, and uh, that just made me think about that kind of stuff. And coming up here is a, a very significant moment in the Kingery. In just a few seconds, you turn off Tommy's radio. Okay, I don't think this has ever been done before in the history of the show. Oh, okay. And I just thought, man, that took guts to turn off the radio. So I, did I put that in the script, or did you write that? Oh, yeah, no. No, it's it, it, because you have to turn off the radio to turn on the monitor that uh, okay. that shows what's going on in the casino. See, that's just something I never would have thought of myself. Yeah. He is the man that you see in all of yeah. the ads for this place. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was fun. And coming up here, we have uh, Melissa Johnson playing Jane, and I thought that she gave a really wonderful natural performance as the as the Jane who runs the roulette wheel. And I think yeah. And I think this is interesting. Adam doesn't know the difference between roulette and the wheel of fortune, which I think are are different things. Although you know they both involve a wheel that goes around and you know a number or some thing and winning or losing money. Well, I think I think he knows the difference between it. It's just you know in in this case, I mean the wheel of fortune is a is a carnival game, isn't it? It's uh well. All I know about it is from watching the movie Things Change, which has a screenplay by David Mamet. That's right, and a young Felicity Huffman running the Wheel of Fortune. So, that was part of my research for this episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're not going to find a lot of you know, roulette gambling uh, movies out there, I don't think. Yeah. I think that uh, things change actually has both. I think um, he goes to the to the roulette wheel and then uh, turns around and goes to the wheel of fortune. So you can see them each. Okay, well, one right I mean, after in, the other. In, 
I honestly, you know, if you'd asked me, I would have just, I wouldn't have realized that the Wheel of Fortune was, you know, a legitimate gambling thing. I think it's, you know, he's just speaking in philosophical, you know, imagery. Ah, yes. Elizabethan language. Okay. So now, has, um, all right, I'm still trying to embarrass you about your acting. How, is there anything that you do to prepare, or or talk about it? What 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 do you do to prepare? Let me say that. Uh, really, it's not that much. I uh, you know I read the script and uh, I rehearse my lines before I start recording. You know I give them give them once over. You know if I if I see something that I think I can you know put a little different spin on it. Um, you know maybe I'll make a note. But it's I don't I don't really uh, you know I don't really go through a, a a process. There's not something that I that I do every single time. It's just you know you know sit down and it's you know, time to make the donuts. Yeah. Uh, I mean the, the I think the biggest uh, sometimes it's hard for me to find to find Tommy's voice because I think he's got he's a, he has two different voices when I'm gonna put on the voice here. When he, you know, speaks to the public or he's speaking out in public, you know, he, you know, he has a, uh, he has this thug voice. You know, when he's when he's talking to Fix, he, you know, he drops his G's, he does stuff like that. Um, but I figure that, you know, he's supposed to be the public face of the Kingry, so he went and he took a course on how to speak correctly, and you know, he tries to watch everything that he says. Oh. And you know, when he gets angry or when he's uh, you know behind the scenes, he tends to lapse into you know more uh, more of a patois. Ah. Very interesting. Well, I find it very effective. Very effective. Thank you. And we've been jumping from the scene in the casino to the scene in Tommy's office, and we've been going there through the through the radio or the or the monitor and that reminded me of the Firesign Theater's audio techniques and the way that they would switch scene by going through a radio or going through uh, or or a television flipping the channels or something like that was that was that any conscious or unconscious influence there do you know their work or, or is it not really it's just you know I you know I tend to I tend to picture these you know things you know mostly visually so I'm just picturing you know switching from the uh, you know from from a camera in uh, you know on the on the casino floor back to Tommy's office just back and forth and I, I think rather than you know just to have those to have those switches in there rather than just you know you know fade out fade in fade out in it and it just makes it a little more you know a little more uh, alive. Right, and I like the pacing of an abrupt cut rather than a you know fade out, fade in, because I feel like sometimes the the pace and the energy fades a little bit when it if you take too long to transition from one scene to another. Yeah, I think that's as far as we should go, brothers and sisters. I will see you at the groundbreaking for the new Church of the Holy Lamb. So. This is the first time I think uh, they named uh, they like I have no part of it that we named the, uh, the Church of the Holy Lamb. Right, and I just 
I, I, want, I wanted to mention that Alicia Lane Matheson is singing a little song. I don't know if you can hear it at all, but if you perhaps if you listen really closely, when Shepard mentions the new Church of the Holy Lamb, Alicia is singing a little song about it there, and that was one of the little lines that she gave. Yes, Alicia's a fine singer. You can also hear her, uh, her singing in uh, Batman Ace of Detectives number 32. All right. Which should be available to listen to by the time you hear this. papers that need drawing up. I get totally confused about uh, what time it is because I'm working a couple episodes ahead trying to do lines and you know still working on this episode and then I've got uh, I, I don't know it just gets very confusing yeah, to me this, this yeah I think you know for me number uh, number 32 comes out uh, Wednesday I'm going to start on number 34 this week so yeah yeah so here here we have uh, Jim Witt as uh, Commander Parker with his Oklahoma accent. Thank you, Jim. Good work. And you'd put in the script um, some sort of dialing a telephone of the future. And um, I couldn't find any futuristic uh, sci-fi telephone dialing sounds, so I took a, a regular a contemporary modern phone dialing sound and put it through the same distortion filters as everything else that was coming through the phone, and it ended up being this really weird sounding thing, and I thought, that's good enough for me. I like that. Hey, Janet. It's Maddie. Now, this, this is another thing that... Uh, this was not in the uh, in the outline for the uh, for the whole season. Um, the fact of uh, of Maddie's father, uh, but this is something that we uh, we created to uh, you know give her, and you'll find out more about it later. Uh, to give her quest a little more uh, questiness. Yes, a little more resonance with uh, stuff that's resonance, going on. That's the word I'm looking mm -hmm. for. Thank you. You're welcome. Questiness. <laughs> Questiness is good too. And this this is my favorite scene. Uh, the way these, uh, the way Alicia and uh, and David acted, it's uh, it's great. Yes, I uh, I hope I didn't mess it up. I hope it comes across. But I'll tell you after um after listening to all of Alicia's um takes in this at, you know at the end of this scene, I just ha I had to take a break. I was just. Uh, emotionally wrung out. I was just like, that, that was another thing that I found kind of time-consuming, is you've got so much stuff in here that's so emotional and so well done that I kept having to take breaks to, to keep it together, because um, there's a lot of stuff going on. No, it is. It's a, it's a wonderful scene. This is my favorite scene in, uh, yeah. in this episode, maybe in this season so far. Yeah, I think it's really wonderful. You go and get some rest. Down. And I also and I am a uh, I'm a disgusting old sentimentalist. So, yeah. <laughs> and I also liked you mentioned David Alexander McDonald as Martin and Alicia of course as Madeline Gray and I also liked Stefania Lindenbun as Nurse Janet. I thought she was a very friendly and and very warm nurse. I thought she did that she, really she well. Did that very nice. I, I don't think I've heard her uh, heard her before, but uh, yeah. And I like this music. This is you know very Blade Runner esque uh, music that. Uh, did, uh, did David write this as well? Yes, this is this is one of David Alexander McDonald's songs. This is called Low Dreams. 
sounds. Actually, uh, the first thing I thought of when I heard it was Blade Runner. It has that sort of sound uh, yeah. in the beginning yeah, of that uh, film. Yeah. And here at the beginning of this scene, I was trying to suggest some sort of sounds from the body swapping process in the background as uh, as Eddie, played by Abner Cenaries, comes out of the of the room where the where the process has taken place. Uh, who knows what goes on in there? Yeah. Well, it's it's very technological and sciencey. Uh, and complex and sciencey, yes, exactly. And then here, I don't. I thought it would be menacing to have Fix walking around behind Devi and in front of Devi and just kind of stalking around through the scene. Um, yeah, but as always with footsteps, I I think it's good, and then I start to worry that it's just annoying and. So, so I always oh, the get footsteps are the bane of my existence. I hate them. Yeah. 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 I think the next time a you know one of us director types uh, starts creating a. a um, an audio series, it should be like a Segway world, you know, where everybody just like motors around on these little uh, little scooters so we don't have to do the footsteps thing because it's just, it just gets so tedious. Yeah, it really does. After all I've done, you fucking come in here and accuse me of some shit like that? Who the fuck are you? And there was another thing I... I put in a little whoosh sound when Debbie takes a swing at Fix, and I, you know, I just, I'm trying to help people understand what's going on, but I hope it's not too cartoony. Take a walk. Yeah, I think you want to take a walk. I don't know if it's cartoony, but it's. Aaron, don't. I think you can kind of get the gist of what's happening uh, just from the way these two are talking to each other. Yeah. Or yelling at each other. Yeah. Yelling profanities at each other. Oh, and I really like Mark Zeracor's performance of Management Conference because it seemed like uh, menacingly friendly chatter is real easy for Fix, but the business cliches are a little bit harder for him to access. So, he's, so there's a little pause before he says, we're having a, a, a management conference, you know. Yeah. And Colin D. Snow kindly came in to help us uh, get Aaron killed off. That's a spoiler in case you have, if you haven't listened to the episode. Um, and I thought I thought Colin did a great job. Yes. And this is another one of those emotionally wrenching scenes here, with between Colin's performance and De- and um, Lexi Rawls' performance as Devi. Yeah, my my first draft, uh, Devi was a little more emotional. Like, you know, crying a little, and uh, the others, you know, smack that down. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this Dane doesn't cry for nothing. Yeah, but she, but uh, still, there's some there's some grief and Concern, anguish but, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the in the tone of voice that she uses sure. when she's uh, talking to him. So. Aaron? And here we are with 
Hook Sanesa again, and I thought, well, this is a great bookend to the episode, you know, because we can end with Asa and Hooks just the way we started the episode. And then there's 12 more cases. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my gosh. It's hard to stick to. I know where it's done it. In my defense, it is all in the outline. Well, except for all the scenes I edit that aren't in the outline. But anyway. Right, right. I knew that. I knew that the stuff was all in the outline, except for the stuff that you'd added that wasn't in the outline. Yeah, did you like your lines? Did I like my lines? Yeah. Yeah, any time that it doesn't say girlish scream, I pretty much like my lines. Yeah, I just heard I don't know. I was trying to, give, I was trying to give Hooks a little more, you know, world-weary and less, you know, crazed panic that he generally yeah. seems to have it. Yeah, right. And I, I liked um, the lines in the scene, especially with, uh, with Madeline Gray, where he says, I can't help you, and she says, you know, you idiot, I'm trying to help you. And uh, I thought that was a nice little turnaround and, and explain it all to Hooks in very simple terms. And I'm I'm just uh, you know I'm jealous of Fix because Fix has three names, and my character's only got one. I mean, I, you know, he's he's just Hooks. I mean, there's I don't know what his first name is. I don't know if anybody knows what his first name is. And Felix has got three names, and um, I'm just jealous about it. I can't I can't talk about it anymore. I just get too upset. Well, I, uh, you know, I'm writing, I'm writing an episode 10. Maybe I'll give him a first name. Do you have any okay. preferences? Uh, we'll talk about it later. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking something really majestic. Um, so um, the song in the background here, I think, is called, is again, David Alexander McDonald. It's called Nad Stomper. And I've been, <laughs> I just... <laughs> As soon as I, as soon as I saw the name and listened to it, and I, I, I thought, you know, this is this is the song for Fix. This is just, and so I've been waiting all of um, one whole episode now to use this song, you know, as as background for Fix getting upset. I am over your head. Let's get something straight here. I do so much yelling. Not you. Well, you, I, I, you're so provoked. Weekend, I went through, I wrote, I, I, no, I didn't write. I did lines for the next two episodes of The King Ray and Superman and uh, something else. I yell a lot. I'm just a, like, yelling guy. It's war. And you know something, Felix? War might be worth it. Just When uh, I watched um, the... I watched B movie and the director or some sort of commentary and Patrick Warburton was saying I think Jerry Seinfeld just writes lines for me to make me yell because he thinks I sound funny when I yell so maybe that's what's going on here Pete then you're going to conduct your I like sound funny when I yell or sound especially interesting or I don't know some somebody likes it somewhere I had to bust your face open. Do something, tough guy. Next thing I'm going to write myself something where I play a library. Yeah. Every line. Shh. Tell the home office I said hi. Fuck. You. So there was another one of your little improvs in there, right? Wasn't there a... Yeah. That, uh, that wall won't, won't 
bother you again? I thought that was pretty good. Well, it's... I wanted to make it a little clearer that, you know, Fix was actually trying to punch him, or was trying to punch him, and, you know... It's, it's something that was maybe a little too visual to go into the script, but uh, I couldn't think of anything better, so... Yeah, he's trying to intimidate him. Good luck with that, Fix. And so the first song here when we get to Shenanigans is Sway, and that later gives way to another song called Blimp. And somehow I thought I thought that both of those songs had the right... Um, the right, right kind of feel for shenanigans. And then I kept uh, enhancing the background sounds with a little extra moaning whenever Tommy's supposed to be distracted or embarrassed. So, I... This, is, this was the other major scene that wasn't in the outline, but... Uh, you need it. After, after all these scenes of, of Tommy just sort of chuckling as, as many leaves, we had to have something where just... Tommy gets shut up. That's right. That's right. And I, I just thought that the comic interplay between between you and uh, Alicia as Madeline was just great. And um, I put I put uh, Madeline's oh Tommy hello into the um, into the trailer for this episode because I thought it was so funny and. I just loved ending a trailer with the word hello. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, one of the things I like about the scene is that it, it is left pretty ambiguous. It's entirely possible that she is there to sort of, you know, pump people for information and, you know, you know see if anyone's willing to flip. Or it's just entirely possible that she's there to take care of business. Right. Or And it seemed to me that it could be... Um, a result of the advice that Asa gave her um, to try something more subtle, to try something different, to you know let Tommy run into her some for somehow, some reason, some way. I mean, I don't know how she would know, but I mean, maybe this is uh, you know maybe this is Tommy's uh, usual next stop on his way home. I don't know. Yeah, I got the I got the feeling writing this that this was you know sort of a special trip, like you know long day. Yeah, long day. And you're in a pizza's not going to cover it. Man like yourself would never plant surveillance equipment in one of the rooms. So you're just yeah, you wouldn't do that, would you? Surveillance equipment. Well, actually, as he says later, no, there isn't because you know they it's. It would be way too easy to uh, have that abused, I think. I think we wanted to make that clear. Plus, it would, you know, it would give uh, give an out to the amb- ambiguity of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you think that Tithia doesn't really um, go along with the stuff that Tommy's saying. She's got a little more on the ball than that. Yeah. So, uh, uh, He's just, you know, sort of enjoying seeing him in pain. Yeah. You know what? I, um, I think I'm going to come back a little later. 
call me when our customer is gone, will ya? Sure. And he notices that she's reading a Bible. Yeah, What's uh, that all about? It's really confusing. Everything's in conflict with everything else. Yeah. And that line is a direct lift from uh, the late great Bill Hicks. Ah. Brilliant comedian. Ah. Well, very good. I thought it was a wonderful ending to the episode. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for your excellent work on the, on this show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And, uh, go ahead. Sorry, too. I was going to say, it's the theme music. Hey, time to go. <laughs> have you got any, uh, have you got any last comments, Pete? Any, uh, things to say? Remember, the camera adds 10 pounds. Yes. Anyway, it's very late. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you for staying up. Thank you for making time to do this because um, uh, I'm going to be busier uh, as the week goes on. Yeah. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't get into that, but um, lines, lines are... Pleasantness. Uh, yes, lines are coming in, so it looks like it's going to be more than just you and me in the trailer for the next episode. Um, and oh, you and me in sound effects—that's what I was threatening originally. You would have to improv one. My dinner with Tommy. Yeah, well, it was just going to for a while. It was just going to be hooks watching a table ball game, but then uh, <laughs> got your lines too. So in this episode, hooks does his taxes. That's right. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you. Excellent work on this episode, and I'm looking forward to Season 2, Episode 9. Your script for that. Uh, 10. ten. Oh, nine oh, 10. By, uh, by Neil Bailey, and you should be oh. seeing that shortly. Oh, sorry. All right. All right. Fantastic. Good night, folks. Bye now. <laughs>